going. Hopefully everybody's had a good week and a good good couple days. <laughs> yeah, does it, it does sound echoey. All right. Um, if you look on the last time we met, we talked about three things um, when we came, and we're going to continue talking on the direction of principles for advancement. And um, we've talked about thoughts, words, laws, trials and tests, and results. And we've been breaking that down in other different series. Um, last week, we talked about a perception, an inception, and a reception. And we talked about how the most important position is the inception time before you actually make a choice or decision that you have received that choice. Now you're walking out that choice and you're acting out that choice. And in that, as um, we left that last session and have drawn into this next session, um, the Lord has really put in my heart that sometimes we have a problem during the inception period before we really commit to our choice is because we don't really have a vision that we have in place. And so in any company or any business or anything personal that you do, whether it's with your family or yourself, you have to have a vision in place. So today we're going to talk about vision, and then we're going to talk about in that inception period how we have distractions, attachments, and entanglements that sometimes throw us off the course of the vision that we are trying to walk towards or what we're seeing that's in front of us. So, and this relates to business, at home, anything that you do, we know that there is a, there, we should have a vision in place. And so um, in that, I, I, I put a little packet together this session because I broke down some verses that I thought were really important that talked to us how important it is to have a vision. So if, I know that not everybody brings a Bible to, this, um, to this, these classes, but you know, part of training for reigning is knowing that there are principles and laws that are in place. And if we know the truth, then the truth will set us free and we'll walk in that truth. So in the truth in Habakkuk is, and, and I put it on this paper, Habakkuk 2, 2, 3, and 4. And I don't know if anybody let Francis know that we started. So, um, oh, she's coming. Okay, good, good, good. Um, Francis, you got one? There you go. All right. And so I get excited because, you know, it's amazing how God is in our workplace. There are so many companies out there, large companies. Everybody develops a mission statement, has a vision that they place in theirs. And Habakkuk 2, 2, 3, 4 says, And the Lord answered me, Write the vision and engrave it so plainly upon tablets that everyone who passes may be able to read it easily and quickly as it hastens by. So that's interesting. Even the word tells us we're supposed to do what? Write out a vision. We're supposed to write out a vision. We can see a vision, and it says in the word that he will show us things before they happen, but we actually have to write out that vision and make it plain. I know in this ministry, that vision over there of that church, that was putting, that was putting a vision on a tablet and placing it in plain view. At CE Hall, they have a mission statement. They have a vision in place. Rachel goes to Savannah Christian. Savannah Christian has a mission that they already have in place to develop every child in the glory of God. And so we have to, in our businesses and in our families and in things that we do, we have to know that having that vision is important. And I'm the first one to raise my hand to say, sometimes I'm weak on my vision. We all are weak at assessing our vision 
and keeping up with our vision. And we have to ask ourselves, do we really have a vision that's written out? Or do we or do, we do things short term just for that, just to get over the hump, to get through things? The vision is the target. It's what keeps us going. It continues on to say, for the vision is yet for an appointed time, and it hastens to the end. Fulfillment. That's what happens at the end, the fulfillment of the vision. It will not deceive or disappoint. Though it tarry, wait earnestly for it, because it will surely come. It will not be behindhand on its appointed day. So now I love this because here's a promise. The Lord not only has told us it's important to write out a vision and engrave it plain for people to see, he also is telling us that it's important to know that it is for an appointed time. And that, those, and that, that doesn't mean every day when we're walking in the workplace or we're walking something out that we're going to have that fulfillment every day. Okay, because why? It's for an appointed time that that fulfillment will come. And so I love it when it says, it even instructs us and says, though it tarry, wait earnestly for it. See, I love this because he does show us the end before the beginning, if we're in agreement with that. He tells us to write it out, but then he tells us we're going to have to earnestly, we're going to have to tarry for it, and we're going to have to wait earnestly in patience for it. And so the hard thing is, is sometimes society has made, or people, or things, have made things easier for us to get to that vision. Because when people see the vision, they just want to get right to it. But the Lord has a development and plan, a way he wants to develop us. And that's why we have to wait earnestly for it, because it will surely come. I love that. The Lord promises us that it will surely come, and it will not be behind-handed on its appointed day. So... This basically says that as we talk about our thoughts, our words, our laws, our trials and testing, and our results, I love this. Even in those two verses, it tells us that thoughts and words have to be written out. You know, the things that are given to us for a vision. Laws will be put in place. And that there will be trials and testing. And in that, it will be our patience that will be tested. But the result is it will come. That vision will come on its appointed day. We have to stick to it. Verse 4 says, look at the proud. His soul is not straight or right within him. But the right and the uncompromisingly righteous man shall live by his faith and in his faithfulness. This verse is really trying to tell us that sometimes when we see a vision that is so great before us and we know what gifts we have, and how we can accomplish something. He lets us know we are to be careful about being proud of that. Because in that proud, sometimes it's we're not really focusing on where we're really to go. We're trying to get to where we're feeling exalted, us individually. And he gives us a vision. He gives us all a purpose, something to walk out. But it's to he's in charge of it, and he controls that. We just have to be patient and trust that he's going to be the one to do that. It says the righteous man, he tells us how we're to live, by faith and in his faithfulness. And there are a lot of people who are faithful people and faithful to some things that are maybe things that we're not to be faithful to. But if the Lord gives us a vision and he downputs it in our business and know, we know what we're walking toward, we're to be faithful to that vision, but in patience and in patience. 
And so this is where we get on to distractions, attachments, and entanglements. Because the tough thing is, is looking around this room today and knowing the people, just like Gene and Frank, they are excellent builders. They can build a house. They can see that at the end. And they know that they can finish that. And they know that they can do a good job. But what is the purpose? What the purpose and the walkthrough of obtaining all those great houses and building those houses. Same with CE Hall. People come in, they come in with a blueprint. What is the blueprint? The vision. What somebody has created or what they have saw that they're to live in. And when they come, it's the job of the construction company to help a person walk out that vision. And you know what? There takes a lot of patience in building a house. There takes a lot of time in working out everybody's perceptions to receive the reception of that house, which is the completion of moving into that house and knowing that you're celebrating the ownership of that home. Same thing with anything in real estate. In real estate, when we get a buyer who wants to buy a house, you know, we're trying to help them what? Achieve what they see. They see the house that they can live in. They see what they want. People make us detailed lists, have to have this, have to have this, have to have that. In some ways, we have to tarry as a real estate agent in business. We have to be able to help them achieve their vision. And we have to be able to help them get to that point. But in every real estate deal, in every building situation, every situation, even with a child or raising a family, there is going to be distractions, attachments, and entanglements. And they're going to come in, and they are not of God. They are from darkness. They are from principalities. They are from iniquities. They are from Satan. They are to get us off the mark of the vision. The vision is placed in front of us. And the moment that vision gets in place, that's when everything tries to pull us off of that place and get us off of that. You can be, this is the most beautiful thing, you can know your vision and see how beautiful it is. But the Lord doesn't promise that there's not going to be trials and testing that come in on those times. And you know what? And what's a testing? Our patience, our faithfulness to the vision, not to what the short-term passings of our pride. Okay, because there is short-term passings of our pride. And so I actually had Rachel before this, even though I've taught on distractions, attachments, entanglements, I had Rachel look up the definitions of these three words because we have to know how to work through these, not run from them. We're not to run from distractions, attachments, and entanglements. We're to work through them. And this is interesting. So, you know, why do we have a vision in place? You know, we have a vision in place for reasons, you know, that are the purpose of God, that he has created us to walk this out. And the most important thing is during perception of that vision, inception of that vision, and reception of that vision, there's going to be distractions, entanglements, and attachments to pull us away from the true receiving of what he has in the outcome of that vision. So a distraction, what will that do? A distraction will divide the attention. It will prevent your concentration to focus on that vision. That's exactly what darkness wants to do. He wants to get your concentration off of it, to get us off course, to miss the mark, because we all have that race in front of us. It entertains. How does it do it? How does the distraction use it? There's a use in it. It tries to entertain us. It tries to divert us. It tries to amuse us into 
something that gets us off course. We can look at simple things around us today that distract us. TV, music can distract us. Um, uh, things in the home environment, I joke with Rachel all the time, pets can be a distraction. There are distractions that are all around us that try to, the moment you are taking one step closer to that vision, a distraction comes in to what? Affect you to turn away from it, to get yourself off course of it. So I think it's interesting. And then the synonyms, I thought it was interesting, Rachel, Rachel wrote this down. What are other words for distractions? Now, identify with this, because these other words are how you feel when you know you're being distracted. So if we can identify we know the feeling, then we know to captivate that thought. Captivate that thought. So the words are, how many times do we feel this? Uh, you know, I'm laughing because I, I felt this. Madness. How many times have you felt madness in a moment? Madness. When you're in a, it, that, and what's that a sign of? If you're feeling madness, okay, that's a distraction. That's not of God. How about insanity? How many of you, this is insane. I can't believe this is happening to me. You know, sometimes there'll be actions, and that's right there a sign. Boom. That is not of God. That is of Satan. Okay? Craziness. This is crazy. I've had things happen to me, and I typed to Jean, this is crazy. You know? Because some of the things, as I was walking closer to the vision the Lord has for me, crazy sets in. And I, I have to ask myself, am I the crazy one? <laughs> or is what the Lord's showing me what is right? And every time I've pressed through the craziness by not looking to anybody else, by just knowing and seeking him in the focus, he sets me straight. He soothes my soul. He gives me the right word to keep me on track of that vision. And so craziness, I, I just smiled at that because if we are feeling those feelings, you know it's a distraction and it's not of God. I mean, Joy sees it every day in bookkeeping. That, if anything, the devil is into numbers. <laughs> Darkness gets into craziness, to, and, 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 and that's exactly when that will set in to get us off the vision of what we're supposed to be doing, because in that vision is the fullness of God and what you were called to do on this earth. So I love that. Distractions, distractions. It's, we even learned in a conference, we had a man come down here, and he said the moment you are about to receive something. Hear the truth. Somebody taps you and says, Mommy, I need something to eat. You know what I mean? Something takes us off the thought, and then we missed it, and we said, Oh, I missed that. Can you repeat that again? Sometimes people just miss it and don't ask for it to be repeated. How many times have we had that distraction the moment we're going to hear truth? And we talked about that. In the inception time, we choose the lie or we choose the truth. And we are so comfortable in our environment with craziness, amusements, distractions. We sometimes, it's just easier to yield to that because we've already been used to yielding to it. Isn't that beautiful? Okay, second word, attachment. Attachment. Attachment is a feeling that binds one, meaning you. A feeling that binds. What is it binding to you in the world? A feeling that binds you to a person to a thing, to a cause, to an idea. And, it, and, and, and that means the moment that distraction gets you into that craziness, you have the choice to attach yourself to that feeling. I'm just going to keep feeling crazy. I'm going to get mad. I'm going to complain. I'm going to totally attach myself to the law of sin and death. When we don't want to attach ourselves to that, we want to attach ourselves to the law of life and peace. And what's that? Faith is speaking. 
We have to stick to the faith. Faith is of God. Fear is of darkness. Fear is of darkness. And so here's the interesting thing. The synonyms to attachment. Love. I love this one because this is where we get confused. Love, devotedness, connection. Every day when we're standing here as this person making a power choice, we connect to one or the other. And guess what? We love it. <laughs> if we connect ourselves to life and peace and faith, we, are, we, have, we commit to it, we love it, we connect with it. If we connect ourselves to angriness, complaining, to um, missing the mark and just staying in that craziness, that madness, the distraction, what are we saying? We love it. <laughs> because it's easier for us to be in that than it is for us to feel peace. Because in our society today, it says, and, and Jean has mentioned this many times, there is a time and period where darkness will increase and our confusion and distraction and everything will be more intense. We have to know we're in peace of where we're going and what we're doing to stay on that, to hit that vision, to hit that vision, what we're called to do. So isn't that awesome? That's awesome. We have to be careful about our attachments. When we choose to speak the word or to give whatever or who an attachments are, a person, a thing, a cause, an idea. So we have to think about those things that we are attaching ourselves to. I, I think I said this before when I joined a sorority. I did it because the other girls on the floor were doing it. I didn't do it because I really thought about a sorority. I thought, hey, this will be good, right? But I stood up there and made a vow. What did I do? I made an attachment to that sorority, not even realizing what I was doing until I grew in this. I have rebuked that. I have devoided that. I, don't, I, I even detach myself from the whole sorority. But that was something I did in ignorance. But do you know we make attachments to like that? We make attachments that we, we say we are going to stick to. But we have to ask ourselves, are they of faith or are they of fear? All right, and the next one is entanglements. Entanglements, entanglements, entanglements. Entanglements, especially during inception, are the time when you are being drawn in to be trapped. You are being snared. You are asked to be involved in something. And the sign of an entanglement, the sign of entanglement, is a complication. It's complicated. When it starts to feel complicated, you have to ask yourself, is this the vision I'm to be going through? Or is Satan trying to get me off and feel that this is complicated? So remember, when we go through a trial and a test, which we are going to, we're going to feel complications. But we have to ask ourselves, are we attaching it? Are we being trapped? Are we being snared in? It's like, do you feel tossed to and fro? You have to... These are times when you seek him to find out, is this where I'm going to be walked? Because sometimes when you're walking through a test or a trial, you are going to feel all these three things. But that doesn't mean run. Okay? You have to ask yourself. In fact, I have this written down here. See if I can find it. I can't find this. All right. Well, let me recap this. How do I know I'm being distracted to get you off the course of the vision? How do we know that? Here are four things. Here are four things that you know that. Is something in your life complicated? Ask yourself that. Is something in your business complicated? Is something in your home complicated? 
The second question you should ask yourself, are you confused? Are you confused about where you're going? You have to know that confusion is faith and fear trying to mix together. Just like it says, let your yes be less, yes, let your no be no. Anything of that is of the evil one because that's exactly where he wants you to be in. Not know your yes and not know your no. And you know that when you're living in the soulish realm, which we're going to hit on this in Hebrews, in the soulish realm is when we have to ask ourselves, am I doing this for my own purpose or am I doing this out of the purpose I was born to do for God? So let's turn to Hebrews 12.1. Hebrews 12.1. And just keep in mind, and it says it all through the word, that if we're walking in our advancement towards the vision the Lord has placed in front of us, that there is going to be distractions, attachments, and entanglements that will pull us away from it to convince us that we're not to walk towards that vision. Hebrews 12.1 says, Therefore then, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses who have borne testimony to the truth, let us strip off and throw aside every encumbrance and unnecessary weight and that sin which so readily clings to, the, clings to and entangles us. And let us run with patient endurance and steady, active persistence. The appointed course of the race is set, is set before us. So just know, as was said in the other verse, that it's an appointed time. So there is, there is appointed times in the course of our race. But I love the first sentence where it says, since we are surrounded so great a cloud of witnesses. That means when you know your vision, and your vision is in front of you, the Lord doesn't leave you empty and unhanded. He already puts people around you, a cloud of witnesses who have borne testimony to the truth. Because the whole purpose is to get you off the truth and to think the lie you already believe that you don't know you believe because you're just so used to it. So he already places people close to you that can bear testimony to the truth. When we're walking out, like this is our vision, you know, spiritually, here's our vision, is to be whole. In our businesses, our vision is to whatever the Lord has shown us in our vision, what we're to accomplish, which is a wholeness. When we start that path, we see more of the distractions, entanglements, because, because the life in us is not as strong as the things we already believe, the truth. Look at this little man. This is truth. Everything around it is the lie that we're trying to fight up against. As we keep walking with what? Our cloud of witnesses. The moment you hit this step, the Lord brings people around you to help you fulfill the vision. Does everybody understand what I'm saying? And he, those people are people who already have walked through it and can bear truth to it. So they're there to help you because you're going to walk this out and every time you get to an appointed time, an appointed time, an appointed time, an appointed time, confusion sets in, confusion sets in, confusion sets in. And that's when we have to stay, you stay on course. You have to try to stay on course, stay focused. Um, 
I believe the word to be the truth. And so when I read this, I love how when you know you know your vision and the Lord has revealed to you where you're going, he already lets us know that A, he gives us a support team. But B, he also lets us know we have to start getting rid of some things. That there are things that we have to strip off and throw aside. And we have to be readily able to want to not to cling to those things that entangle us. There are four things that come up that enter into your world when you know you're advancing towards your vision. You're advancing towards the wholeness. You're advancing towards God's will. And these are the four things. And these are signs. So take the signs and know to now look out for them because the more we know how to handle what's coming towards us, the more successful we are in enduring this race that is set before us. Signs of advancement. That means things that are going to come to you. One is temptation. Okay? Temptation will always enter in. And what's it tempting you? To do what is wrong. To do what is not right. The moment that comes, that temptation to do what is not right or to pull towards away from the vision or to be angry to the vision or to even complain about the vision or to feel proud about something through that walk, that is a temptation. That is a temptation. James says, blessed is the man who is patient under trial and stands up under temptation. For when he has stood the test and has been approved, he will receive the victor's crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. So when we have that vision and we know we are, we are connected to that vision, we have to know that temptation is going to come. And we have to think about what things tempt us. We have to be able to identify that. The second thing that's going to hit you is fear. For God did not give us a spirit of fear. It says in the word, we were never given that spirit. So why do we even entertain it? He has given us a spirit of power, love, calm, well-balanced mind, and self-control. So we have already been given that spirit by God to walk that out. He did not give us fear. So the moment fear sets in, you know, wow, he's trying to get me off course. That's what you have to keep saying to yourself. Ooh, temptation, I'm getting off course. Ooh, fear, I'm getting off course. And what are the side effects? We already know that. Pride, complaining, anger, all the things that come out that cause us to speak the wrong things and the wrong thoughts. Because the moment we speak them, we've just attached them. The third one, trusting in man. Trusting in man. Cursed with great evil is the man who trusts in and relies on a frail man, making, making weak human flesh his strength, whose mind and heart has turned aside from the Lord. Now, I love this because we get cloud of witnesses, right? Don't you love this? We get a cloud of witness. And who are those cloud of witnesses? People who have borne testimony to the truth, right? So what is this telling us? Don't rely on the frail man. Don't rely on the man who has not borne testimony to the truth. And you can sense that. You know when you're around people who have not borne testimony to the truth. And, you're, and, and also, the sign is, you start getting wiggly when you're around things that have borne testimony to the truth because that's not what you're used to. Because why? Not all of us has walked with good guidance. 
Jesus is always there for us, but you know, there's an appointed time. He sets you for, with your appointed people. It's an appointed time. And so it says that if we look upon the cloud of witnesses, for he shall be like a shrub or a naked... Oh, no, no, no. If we look upon the frail man, that he shall be like a shrub or a naked person, destitute in the desert. How many people have felt that? How many people have had times they felt naked, destitute in the desert, and you can't see any good coming? Raise your hand, right? In business and in family and in everything. I mean, this is where it's so important. We need to start asking God, what is the vision of our business? We need to start asking the Lord, show me where is this going? We can ask him. The curse can come when you not only look to man, but, but look to the old man in you. Okay, I love this because as I have grown in some of the changes, I do, I love this. I feel my old man <laughs> coming back, but I know my new man, the new goodness of the Lord, that little light, as, as the little light in Lee gets stronger, okay? I still feel this old person. I feel this old person that I can take control and do it the way that I successfully did it before, okay? And then, when I, and then there are times I feel like I already feel the moment I think I'm going to go towards the old ways of doing things, I start feeling okay, that's not right. That's not right. My conviction grows. My conviction grows. And I'm like, okay, no, stay on the right course. Stay on the right course. Because how will we get derailed? Distractions. Distractions <laughs> will derail us. Attachments, wrong attachments, wrong people, wrong things, wrong ideas will keep us back on that. So I love this because the word directs us in all this. The third thing, the fourth thing of sign that we have to watch out that really, this is a good sign. You know, temptation, that's not a good sign, is it? Okay, fear, that's not a good sign, is it? Okay, yielding to a frail man or the wrong witnesses that have been brought to us or yielding to our old man, that's sometimes not a good sign. But yet, I'm feeling the growth. I'm feeling the victory. One of the best things, and I love this, is the removal of things. In Hebrews, it tells us yet once more, the removal of those things which can be shaken as of created things, in order the, to loose things which cannot be shaken may remain. What's it saying is, I love the yet, what's more because it's saying, this con- we go through this process every time, going towards our vision. So as we're hitting towards the vision, we get shaken. And what things are being removed, that's a good sign. That is a good sign. I get excited about that because that means once it's removed, you don't have to take it back unless you're in agreement to take it back. So remove it. There are things that the Lord, he, he doesn't want you to hold on to things that are not going to get you to your vision that he has placed before you. He has placed it before you, and he has given you the, the Jesus and the Holy Spirit to guide your way, to help you get to that plan, to get to that vision. And so we have to be aware and know that these are only signs of promotion when we feel tempted when we feel that we want to go back to our old man or rely on people that we're not supposed to be relying on or removal of things. We have to look at those as promotional items, not put yourself in depression, put yourself in fear, put yourself in that lost feeling because we're going to go through that. And every bit, I know this, just from meeting with you know, a few of the real estate agents, we asked our agents this year on their contracts to write their, what they saw as their vision. What do they feel like they were walking towards? What did they want to succeed? What did they want to prosper? Because we're all built to prosper. We are not on this earth not to prosper. 
But if we walk in his directions and his ways for the vision he has placed in front of us, he will show us the way. He's not trying not to show us the way. But we do have to write it down and engrave it. And you know what? I have to get better at this. Because we all go through what? Life pulls us away. Little tedious things pull us away from focusing on the vision. And we have to stay in that focus. So think of it as a promotion when those things, when those things, come, when those things come up. I want to continue with Hebrews 1-2. It says, Hebrews 12, 1-2, it's written on the paper. The Lord reminds us that as we're enduring this race, to looking away from all that will distract. Distract what? Us from Jesus. Who is the leader and the source of our faith, giving the first incentive for our belief, and is also its finisher, bringing it to maturity and perfection. He, for the joy of obtaining the prize, was set before him, endured the cross, despising and ignoring the shame, and is now seated in the right hand of the throne of God. So what was his vision? His vision was to sit at the right hand of the throne of God. He had to endure his race. So he was born to hit that point and to follow his plan so he could what? Obtain the prize. Sitting, sitting on the right hand. So Jesus is our teacher. He was brought here to walk us through this, to show us, I love this part, we are to despise and ignore the shame. Come on, people. When we have a vision and we're walking things out, there is shame. I remember one girl came to me and said, I am growing and I love everything I'm growing in, but I'm going to get on a plane and I don't want anybody to see my Bible. I want to read the Bible, but I don't want anybody to see it. Okay, she is to ignore the shame. Keep going because that's what feeds us. This is what feeds us our direction, our truth. And so he walks it out and already tells us to look away from what distracts us from this. Because this helps us, especially as, we're, as we are walking out our understanding, whether it's a vision in business, a vision in family, a vision in walking out our salvation to our personal wholeness. We have to stay on track to that and keep looking to him because the Holy Spirit was given to us to help us, to help us through that. And when we don't know where we're going and we get derailed, their vision is put before us and he gives us a cloud of witnesses. Those are the people we need to be leaning on. Those are the people we need to be calling. Those are the people we need to be, you know, focusing on time in this. Time, to call that witness. Call that cloud. Because they're the ones that have, have, already, have already walked through that truth and they understand it. So looking away from the distractions, the attachments, and the entanglements to Jesus, we're to look to him who is the leader and the source of our faith. So what does that say? Back in Abaca, it told us, for us to walk this out, we have to live by what? Faith. Faithfulness. And I'm looking at everybody in this room, and I will tell you something I see in everybody is faithfulness. Who are we directing that faithfulness towards? Our old man or are the new things the Lord is trying to bring us at appointed times? We all believe in faithfulness. There isn't anybody sitting in this chair that doesn't, in this place, that does not believe in wanting faithfulness. People want to be faithful to others, and they want others to be faithful to them. But I love, it makes very clear that we are to look away from all those things that distract us. 
and keep our focus on him because he is a source of our faith because he endured the walk. He already showed us that the promise that was put in front of him, the promised land, he received it. So as we walk out our visions to our business and we are walking out, we are to know and be confident that that promise is ours and that vision of that goodness is ours to obtain. But that doesn't mean that we're not going to have moments where set before him, he had to ignore, he had to endure the cross, despising and ignoring shame. We're not to think about what other people think about us. We're not to think about if somebody says your business isn't going to make it, your business, we have to think about the negative things that we take in our ears. In fact, I've become very short on listening to things that are too negative. Rachel has experienced that in the past couple of years. Because I could listen, 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 but what does that do? All that does is affect my heart, affects my thoughts, and then if it affects my thoughts, then it's going to affect my words, and we have to stay straight. We have to stay on the straight path. So I feel like it's important for us to sit and take the time and to really, what is our vision? What is the vision that the Lord has set before us? In our business, in our family, we can take on all levels. And I left, I attached certain verses because we have to confess the word. The Lord has to know. The thing that really holds us back is, un, is unbelief, undoubt that there isn't a promise set before us or a vision that we're supposed to obtain, that there is a promised land. In fact, this one verse says, blessed, I put some verses for people to confess. And these are, these are, these are verses that come from a references of life book that have been put together in this ministry. And I love this because we have to ask God. <laughs> we have to ask God because that's how we receive the vision. We all think we know our vision. We know some things about our vision, but he will fine tune that, okay? Because God is glorified in our receiving. He wants Frank to receive. He wants Jean to receive. He wants Rachel to receive. He wants Randy to receive, Susan, Carrie, um, uh, Joyce, Francis, and David. He wants us all to receive. And it's a promise. But he says, but ask in what? Faith. Same word again. A word that we all love. To ask in faith with no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. The wind. And you know, we are, some of us think we're walking in faith, and we're walking in faith, and we're walking in faith. And then the moment we get a test and trial, boom, we lose it. We lose it. Because we have to let him be in charge of the focus. We have to let him be in charge of the focus. So I gave these verses because you know what? When you're at home at night and you're not sure about your vision and you're not sure about these trials and tribulations that you're going through, call out these verses, say them out loud. Because that, the moment you call it out loud, you are speaking faith, even if you don't understand what this piece of paper says. Call it out in faith. Confess out, declare the word. All of a sudden, things will start coming to you. I mean, when I started coming to this, this ministry, or when, when I started even coming into the office, and I, I got this little References of Life book, and I started reading some things out, I started getting visions. I saw, I have seen that church. I, I have seen that church. I saw that blue. I've seen that. I know for the ministry, that's a vision. For the enterprise, the Lord had me even draw out a chart. I've seen the vision for the enterprise. So now I have to stick to those visions that are set before me and not get distracted when somebody says, Lee, you're crazy. Not get distracted when somebody says, oh, no, 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 come to me. Do this for me. Do you know what I mean? I have to keep, 
we have to keep our focus going. The next one I put is blessed. I picked these verses out because we are blessed to be in blessing and we are empowered to prosper and succeed. Everybody in here is empowered to prosper and succeed. We're not just supposed to sit and just looking for a level of comfort where we feel proud and then we rest on that proud seat. That's not what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to be, we're supposed to be empowered to prosper and succeed and the empowerment's in that vision that he gives us and he directs our way and our plan. And it says, blessed is the man whom you instruct and teach out of your word, your word. The word gives us all the answers. Aren't these comforting words? Knowing that we have a vision, the Lord already says it. Knowing that we're supposed to write it out, isn't that awesome? Knowing that there was somebody who already did it, Jesus, and he conquered it and received the prize, isn't that awesome? I mean, I get excited about this. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is in the Lord. We need to read these out because all the word soothes the soul. The soul is the producer of what's already in our spirit, what God wants to get to us to produce. So in the workplace, I just know that the moment you see these things happening, temptation, people of the old world, not the new world or the new man, coming to you, trying to get you off course. Come on, right? I mean, I know a lot of people's stories in here, and I know what I've gone through. And when the Lord puts something, our, we are supposed to work every day. Our job is a part of the vision the Lord has set before us to do what we're called to do. So we just have to, we just have to really keep seeking him, drawing closer to him. He will draw closer to us. He wants to show us the things. We have to, it's, a, it's a trust. It's a trust thing. We have to develop trust in this. Because in the trust, he's testing our faithfulness in the tests and the trials. In fact, it even says, it even it reminds us in Peter. And oh, and Rachel, I got to read a verse Rachel gave me last night, which was really awesome. Because you know, we all have a calling in front of us, and in that calling or that vision or whatever, it's a process. It is not easy. But in Peter, the Lord reminds us: Do not think it strange, the fiery trial, which is to test you as though some strange thing has happened to you. (laughs) Come on, we feel some strange things are happening to us in the midst of getting to the vision, whether it's in our business, our family, or our, our spiritual life. And the considering the suffering of this present time not worthy of being compared with the glory that is about to be revealed to us. Revealed to us, our spirit reveals things to us and for us, conferred on us. Isn't that beautiful? This is the truth. It, deep inside, we all know an impartation, a part of what that vision is that's set before us. As we keep walking it and seeking it and working that trust out, God knows it's not easy for us to always trust because we've been damaged. We've been damaged in this world. He knows it's easy to go back to the wrong attachment. He knows it's bad to pick up the wrong habit. He knows, because why? He sent Jesus down to walk it out. He knew it was difficult. He had to take all the despise and the shame. But yet, nothing compares to the glory when you hit that promised land. And we're called to walk it out on earth. We don't have to wait to heaven. We can walk it out on earth. It's a promise. But we have to diligently seek it. And he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. 
And so the more, even though I've had all this crazy stuff, the more I walk toward it and the more it may hurt, physical pain has happened to me. But more I walk through that physical pain, the glo- I see more of the vision. I see more of the glory that he has in that promised land. And I want to obtain that because I love him and because I love people and because I do have faith. And maybe my faith was misdirected before, but now I'm directing that faith onto that vision and that vision becomes clearer. It becomes greater. And that's something we all should aspire. We should be aspiring to. We should aspire to be this man because this is like our businesses. Don't look at this as you individually. Look at this as, say, a business. See, he all enterprise should, be pros- should prosper. See, he all enterprise should be a source of supply. See, he all enterprise should be so rooted in its vision that it's going to get the answers from God. It, he's going to guide our way when we ask. And that we know that we are what? We have angels that restrain evil from coming upon us. These are promises. We are to be this personally whole in him. But can you imagine if our businesses flowed like that? Rivers flowing out of our businesses. Because in, in that, then we are able to bless, we are blessed to be a blessing. We are able to bless others and teach others how to bring that on into their business. So praise God. I mean, you know what? There are revelations all stored up in each and every one of you. But we have to just know how to c- captivate that thought. Don't respond to those feelings of the temptations, the fears, the men who make us try to draw the other way. How many people speak into your ear and try to tell you what you're doing is not right or stupid or unworthy? So I'm going to tell you something. The Lord picked the most unworthy people in the world to set a tone. He even picked the Samaritan woman that came for her to be the first one to announce Jesus. And this woman had already been what? Married five times, lived with a man unmarried. I mean, he didn't pick. He picks the ones that almost feel like they're unworthy because that's the glory. The glory is they will love me enough that when they see what I do for them, they're going to keep following me. Even the ostrich farm. I had to bring that. It really is coming to my mind. It wasn't a stupid idea. You know what I mean? It was a vision put in you for something. You know what I mean? And the most, oh, I have to read this. I got a text this morning from a very nice man, and he said, oh, and this is such a good end. I mean, I know he's going to end it. Never let mistakes of which every person commits. So, right, we all commit mistakes, right? I made mistakes. (laughs) Everybody in here has committed mistakes. Discourage you. There is precious instruction to be got by finding where we were wrong. Isn't that beautiful? Now I just want to cry. (laughs) Because in our wrong or what we didn't do right is really the secret to where we're to go, to where we're to be. Isn't that awesome? You know, and then, you know, at, I want to go in these verses, but I don't have enough time. But Rachel gave me a great verse because yesterday I had a physical attack. And she comes in my room. She opens the word. And she starts reading me John 16, 33, John 16, 22 to 24. And it was awesome because it was reminding me. I didn't have to sit there and take that attack. <laughs> I could, I had to ask God and know that in him that he is going to fulfill the joy that he has already set before me. You know what I mean? So we do not have to sit in these attacks. We do not have to sit in them. Lord, I would just like to remind everyone that God's word is you. And if we keep that on our minds, we can follow the 
these visions came. And uh, so I would like to challenge everybody to write your vision down before the next meeting. And you don't have to share it with anybody, but there's something so powerful in writing it down. Write your vision down for your family. Write your vision down for your business. Write your vision down for uh, specific relationships, why God has put people in your life. Because the vision, visions come from God, and visions that are God visions or will always lead you where God is. <clears throat> visions will always lead you where God is, and the visions that come from God are the ones that are birthed out of yielding to God. And I'll tell you, the, the, the beginning of a vision, it's already in you. It's right here on the inside. Gene uh, Fabre <clears throat> said Saturday night, he said, something in me just tells me to keep going. That's the vision. But how do you get that vision to unfold? That's the frustrating part. You know, not knowing what the next step is. But the vision will always tell you to keep going. Don't ever give up. Don't ever give up on what you love to do. And don't ever give up on the people that you love. So the vision's already here. I'm writing some stuff down that God was giving me while she was speaking. When she talked about the appointed time, and I was telling my wife this morning, I said, there's a timing and release for everything when it comes to vision. And what's in between timing and release is called patience. And patience is a spirit, and it's the spirit of Christ. And patience, what it does, it actually moves us out of worldly thinking, worldly receiving, into the spiritual realm. That's what patience does. And see, that's the realm of life where Jesus is. That's why James said it blesses the man who endures. That means patience. For he shall receive the crown of life. That crown means power, authority. Anytime somebody's talking about a crown, it means authority and power. And you've got to have that authority to walk out your vision. You cannot walk out a God-ordained vision without his power descending on you. And see, that's where the enemy comes in to intercept. Is when that power is about to be, be released on you because you've been patient, the enemy comes in uh, through pride, through fear, all these things, when you feel them manifest. That is, a, that is a demonic interception to the power that's being released on you to take you in to the next step of the vision unfolding in your life and in your business. So patience, patience is very important. 
I wrote down here, the Lord said, write down this. He said, patience is an invitation for grace. So we need grace. The only way that we can establish a God-ordained plan, and we are ordained people. We are sent here to, to bring something onto the earth, and that's goodness and love and truth. So patience gives an invitation for grace. And then the release comes. And that's when grace hooks up to that release. And then, like it says in that vision right there, it carries you. It supersedes time right here. It takes over and carries you into the next place. Because really, it's not your vision. It's God's vision for your life. So it's his vision. So he's, gonna have to, he's the one that's going to have to ordain it with power. He's going to have to ordain it with the witnesses around you to release that next step. And that's what patience is all about, is giving time for the witnesses to come around you and speak into your life. And you'll get a witness right here that that's truth. And then you step out on it. Now you're ready to move to the next step. He said, pride is a spirit of darkness that comes to intercept the timing and release. God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. He said, grace performs what we cannot do. Pride performs what grace cannot do. Isn't that powerful? Now, grace, grace cannot destroy you. And pride is, is, it says pride comes before destruction in the Bible. So, so pride performs what grace cannot do, and that is destruction. Grace will never destroy you. Grace is sent to establish you into wholeness in your family, in your workplace, uh, every area of your life is established by grace. Grace, if Christ is within, if that little man is within, regenerate man, he is only led by grace and the witnesses. And when the Lord gives me verses come up, pop like that, he gave me two verses. He said, Galatians 5, 7 says, and this is the apostle talking to the church of Galatia. He said, you ran well. Who hindered you from the truth? Isn't that amazing? How we get up and going, running well, feel like we're on track, and then uh, an interception comes in, and we get off track. Something hindered us from carrying out the truth. So what he's saying is, you ran well. Who hindered you from the truth? And he goes to Galatians 3, 4. He says, are we so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, being led by the Spirit, and are now being made perfect by the flesh. You see what's happening? Is when the witness comes to get this man to respond to the truth so that he can influence the mind to take another step into that vision, then what happens is all the temptation comes, all the distractions come, and then we begin to use our flesh to perfect what was just started in the spirit. You see that? So he's saying, are we so foolish? He's talking to the church, having begun in the spirit, are you now being made perfect by the flesh? Question mark. 
And then the next verse says, have you suffered so many things in vain? We're not supposed to suffer in vain, but we do. And y'all can ask questions. We're not supposed to suffer in vain. Our suffering has a purpose. And that suffering is our life leaving and gaining his life. That's what suffering is supposed to do. It's supposed to be a divine exchange. This is, this, uh, the, the right suffering is supposed to take you from here to here. From here to here. This is an exchange of our life for his life coming through. So that is not a vain suffering. But when we stay in one place and trying to perfect in, with the flesh what started in the spirit, now we're going to have vain suffering. And that's what happens when the Lord said to me one time, he said, Gene, suffering should be as short as a breath. And it's in 1 Peter 5.10. But we stay in suffering for so long and don't understand it because we don't understand him, which is the word, we understand the word and stay in that word, we'll begin to, the Holy Spirit will begin to unfold your understanding through the word. And you know exactly what's happening when that temptation comes, when that trial comes, that you pass right through it, right here. This is First Peter 5.10, the whole verse. This is a vision the Lord gave me. And uh, you see here faith and grace working together. I call it the twin powers. Faith moves first, and when faith moves, grace moves. So they move almost together. And when they intercept, boom, suffering comes. And you say, what in the world did I do wrong? Well, you've done everything right. If you've been yielding to God, because he's going to bring you to that place. And if you look at that verse in there, it says, you, you will suffer for a while. That means without breath. You look it up in the Greek, it says without breath. Look it up in the, even Webster's Dictionary, it says without breath. So we're pa- supposed to pass through that. And when we pass through it, we are perfected in that next step of our vision. Something just got perfected. Something just made, got made whole. I just went into another dimension of my business. Even though I don't see the whole plan yet in, in the material realm. But I just stepped into another realm of it and then you're established in that uh, through his power you're strengthened through his power then you're settled in that place and once you make that next step into your vision what's going to happen is you're going to work that vineyard you're going to work that vineyard it's your place of work right now and you're working it you're enjoying it there's a flow of joy there's a flow things are happening Uh, you're making money these kind of things are going on and you enjoy that moment. You enjoy that season of that vision opening up like that. But know that there's going to be another season where he's going to bring you right back into suffering, and then you just pass right through it. And when I say pass through it, when the temptation comes, when things just seem like they get shut off, and when temptation comes, and you want to run in this direction, or run in that direction, or run in that direction, Now you will know, be patient. Stand still. Enjoy what you received in that last season.
And that's usually prosperity in business. Enjoy it. Spend it on your family. Take a vacation. Do something for someone. Enjoy it while you're in that season of being patient. And that will prime the ground for God to take you into the next step, another realm of your vision being open. Y'all understand that? How important patience is? Patience is really just the ground of preparation for you to go to the next level in your business, the next level in relationships, the next level in your family. Wouldn't it be a blessing just to have your family whole? I mean, all your kids right. And there always seems to be one in every family that ain't right. And I was one of them. For my dad, I was the one. The other three boys didn't give him a problem, but I, 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 I thought I was going to put him in the Mennon Institute when I was a teenager. That's how bad I was. So there's always one. And God will always put one in the family. And that's usually the one that's called by God. Because he said, many are called, but few are chosen. That's usually the one that's chosen by God. So we're all called into the body of Christ. Because we all came from heaven anyway. So Jesus calls us back to him. But out of, those, out of that group of people, he's going to put his finger on one of them. He said, now you're chosen. And then what happens is, the devil comes after that one. And he uses him to keep you tormented and frustrated, and fearful, and anxious, and all these things. But we have to know, even in business, not to react to that. Always respond in love. Love kills the devil. Love, love always conquers everything. But that's the hardest thing to do when you've got a rebellious child. But that's why we've got to look within. Say, look, I love this child at one time. <laughs> When he was born, I loved him. I grabbed him, I held him, I, you know, played with him, but now look at him. Well, we've got to go back to, like Jesus said, he said, uh, don't forget your first love. <laughs> so let's go back to the first love with our children, well, the one that's given us problems. Say, hey, I remember you when I was, you were a baby, and you hug on that 16-year-old like he's still a baby. I'm going to tell you, that'll mess up the devil. Because he's called by God to bring the kingdom of heaven onto the earth. I would have never thought at 16 years old I'd be doing this today. I probably would have committed suicide if I saw this because it was so contrary to what I was doing and my mindset, I just couldn't comprehend it. That's why God doesn't give you the whole thing. He'll give you a little bit of time to walk out your vision. Because if he gave you the whole thing, it'll destroy you. Because the flesh can't handle it. That sinful nature can't handle it. It's too much power for it. It's too, it's too God for it. The flesh hates things of God. So it's just too God for it. But write down your vision. And uh, uh, Lee mentioned about open up a Bible in public or on the plane. I, the Lord showed me, he said, Gene, when you get on that plane, you take your Bible and you open it up and you meditate on that Bible the whole time that plane's in the air. 
I said, why do you want me to do that, Lord? He said, well, the truth upholds everything. And you don't want this plane to go down. So I do. And you'd be surprised how it changes the whole atmosphere in the plane. I'll make sure Zinni and I are sitting side by side, but I'll make sure I get right on the aisle in row and I open up my Bible and we're on a three-hour trip and I meditate the whole time. It changes the whole atmosphere. People start being drawn to you. They start looking over your seat. I had one guy looking over my seat after about an hour. You know, it changes the atmosphere. But one day... Somebody's going to ask me, hey, why do you read your Bible so much on the plane? I'm going to say the truth upholds everything. I want this plane to go down. Right? I want this truth to uphold this plane till we get to where we're supposed to go. So it's divine protection. That's what the truth is. It's divine protection. But listen, I appreciate you all. And listen, you know, truth is never manifested into its whole form until we all come together in unity in business, and family, it never manifests in its whole form. It's only a measure until we all come together. Keep that in mind. Because God's going to bring more and more businesses together. Because if you can get God, I'll tell you one way to keep God in your business is integrity. Integrity. And I, you know, I've been doing it a long time, and uh, the enemy will cause people to be suspicious about you. I've been through that over and over again. And I always say, well, let's just get everybody to the table, because everybody has integrity in their heart. Everybody does. You're born with it. You got truth in here. But it really doesn't come alive until Jesus comes in and regenerates the spirit back to God. Now it's fueled by the Spirit of God, has power. But if you can get people together, you can always land on truth. And then there's peace, and then that, that relationship just goes to another level. Whether it's in business, whether it's in family, whatever it is, embrace the people, pull them together, and you'll find the truth, and everybody will be happy, and you'll go to another level. See how that happens? Even with subcontractors, Randy, Frank, y'all, um, I would bring him into office when I would have a problem. I said, "Look, let's let's talk about this," because both of us obviously want the truth. But to get the truth in anything, you got to talk it out. You got to communicate. It, you'll eventually get there. So write down your vision. Make that be. You got thirty days to do it. Just write it down. Write it down for your family. What you want in your family. How you want your business to be. How you want your relationship with God to be. Write those three visions down. My relationship with God, my relationship with my family, and my career, my business. Write those three visions down, and you'll be surprised what manifests after that. Because the Word says, write the vision down. Because God can't connect to it until it leaves you. So when I'm writing my vision down, it's leaving me. It just become immaterial to material that I can see it and you can see it. That's how God connects to the vision. He'll never connect to a vision if it's not written down. Even for ministry, people who are in ministry, 
You've got to write it down. You've got to show it. This is, these are visions. God hooked up to the visions and started empowering the visions. You see what I'm saying? Till you write it down, God can't hook up with it. And believe me, we need him to hook up with it because he'll always lead us in the right direction. Okay? I'm going to close it. Um, in John uh, 16.33, it says, 